we don't, we don't have a couple of rules. Well, the first rule, you're not drinking, so we don't have to worry about that. Second rule <laughs> is it's not a family show, so if, if you use if you use colorful words, words that's what you Whatever. that's what you do. What was the other? What was the other rule? If you got a burp, lean in. But but you're drinking water. <laughs> you still may need to burp. <laughs> yeah, it happens. It still happens. <laughs> but we'll we'll. I got uh, a we'll... sensitive tummy, so you know. Oh. You get <laughs> so we we will drink in your stead because we have some beers we're going to drink on the show. So good. Um, don't be jealous. <laughs> what do you, What are you guys starting with? Um, we got a little stockyards uh, fox trotter. Okay. And then uh, we got a. Uh, 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 Crane, what is that? Thundergong. Uh, Thundergong, and then we've oh. got a few, we've got a few mystery beers that Nick doesn't know what I brought, so that that'll be fun. I'll bring them out of the bag. That's our shtick. So uh, you ready to roll? Should we do this? Oh, let's do it. All right, let's go. Beers with Nigel is poured for you by Dire Oil Graphics, promotional products and design. They cover your brand bumper to bumper with graphic design, promo products, and print. See what Dire Oil Graphics can build for you at direoil.com. That's D-Y-E-R-O-I-L.com. Welcome to Beers with Nigel. I'm Nigel. I'm that other guy. Uh, it's a uh, show about beer. And other things. And, and other, Sometimes other stuff. Stuff, we're, stuff we're, things, whatever. We're back at it after, a, um, we had to take a week off, didn't we? For we the, took a week off to recover from the Barrel and Flow Barrel and Flow Fest in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. But let's welcome to the show, Damon Arredondo. What's up, brother? Oh, just living the dream, surviving the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're glad to have you on. Uh, you, I'm, I'm a fan of yours. Uh, we've talked a couple of times. Uh, I think we're on the same wavelength when it comes to uh, certain things, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But yeah. uh, first things first, let's just let's talk about uh, who you are. Who who are you? If somebody said, "Who is that guy?" <laughs> uh, I always started as a dad. I'm a dad first, uh, a brewer, consultant, community builder, um, and uh, yeah. So I've been in the beer industry about. 10 years, uh, Bennett and Bend, Oregon, brewed there for about three years, was a head brewer, Colorado, tried to do, uh, pursue my own thing, kind of fell through and then moved back to Kansas City where I was a head brewer at Strange Days Brewing uh, for about two and a half years and then jumped into consulting and got a few projects, uh, side projects that I'm working on, starting my own uh, Latinx beer brand. Uh, it's going to be a contract brand. I uh, can't give the name yet. Still working on it, finalizing some some agreements. Uh, I'm working like on a book. News. Oh no shit! <laughs> yeah, working on a book, um, and then doing uh, ultimately my my dream of uh, having an urban farm brewery. So kind of working towards that project as well. That's kind of on the back burner. Can't do too many things at once. <laughs> I want to hear more about that dream later, though. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna circle back around to that one. Yeah. So, are you a native Kansas Cityan? I am born and raised, uh, actually in Parkville, uh, so just north. Um, it is its own unique community there. For yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start with this, as we always do. Obviously, you have some you've ex- extensive background in beer. Um, everybody has a good story as to what got you into craft, but before that. Do you remember the first thing that you drank that was craft that you were like, oh, wow, this is different than what I've been drinking? Uh, shoot. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it was, I would say probably Sierra Nevada. Um, it yeah. was their, just their, uh, let's see, what was it? Just standard IPA. This was a long time ago. I can't even remember. <laughs> Actually, no, it was Stone. It was Stone and Joy Bite. And, oh, yeah. Um, it was early on. And, uh, yeah, it was just one of those ones that I didn't like it. But I was like, okay, this is unique. It was different. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know. It just kind of got me into more. And now I, I'm not even a huge West Coast IPA fan. But I, I appreciate Stone uh, for, for definitely getting me more into it and stuff. What um, were you drinking before that? Uh, Bush. Uh, <laughs> Bush got me through high school and college. That's but, all you can afford. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, whoever's brother could buy it for us. Nice, nice, nice. So, but, uh, yeah. Where'd you Where'd you go to Where'd you go to high school at? In Parkville. And uh, I went to St. Pius High School, uh, oh, okay. just North of the River, a little Catholic school. So I, I mentioned the the guilt earlier. There's plenty of it there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was kind of it was one of those places where it was, the sooner I could get out, the better. Uh, so I. You, uh, I was a traveler. I needed to go out and see places and, and explore. So what what's what got you into into craft beer? You had that stone, and then obviously <laughs> you've done a bunch of things. Tell us about that journey. Well, uh, I actually got into beer before that. Um, I, I had a neighbor across the street who I had, he had the turkey fryer and stuff. I was like, what the hell is he doing? So I was 18, walked across the street, and I was like, hey, what's going on here? I'm curious. I, I always cooked at home and, and was more into, you know, food and, and stuff. And, um, I, I had three other siblings. And so a family of four kids is like, you eat what you can take, you know? It, um, and so quality was never necessary at my house and I always wanted more. And so I saw this guy and I was like, what are you doing? He taught me, Oh, I'm making beer. I'm doing all this. And so I, did a couple batches with them and so i was home brewing since i was 18 and it was terrible the first batch was terrible it was like a it was like a winter porter uh, i don't know because why not um and but we i i put it in my parents basement to let it sit and we had bottled it and conditioned and uh, about six months later, I, I totally forgot about it. Came back to it, and it was a whole different beer. Yeah, and it was much more balanced, um, a little bitter from all the spices in it over time. But um, I was like, oh my god, this is this is something I could get into. I appreciate that creative side of it, and um, and I totally nerded out with the the science a bit too. So. For somebody who hated science in high school, getting into it through, you know, I was like, finally, I could, I could apply see it. why we're learning. Apply it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I was pretty grateful for the, for that experience. And then I was home brewing in, in my dorm room and, um, illegally and two different colleges and, uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it was just kind yeah. of experimenting. I had friends in college who, who who brewed or attempted to brew. It's not but never never anybody in the dorm room though. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it, it was trash. I I had like the the stove top, you know, the electric yeah. stove top and stuff, and it was terrible. But I just got to say I made it, and and people probably you know, still was, drank it, didn't they? Yeah, in college you yeah. don't care. Yeah, there was alcohol, so it, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so you you did the home brewing thing, and then you know you're in college brewing. What was what was next in your 
in your uh, your history of, of beer? Oh man, um, so I had it was the Enjoy by I believe it was Enjoy by it was, it was one of the Stone beers, and I, that's the one that kind of stands out. But I had that, and then I moved to a college in uh, Western Colorado. It was called Mesa State, um, yeah. and right across the street from my dorm was a brewery called Canna Creek Brewing Company. And any money I made that didn't go to necessary expenses went to beer. Um, and so <laughs> I, I was, I started playing rugby and one of the owners uh, played rugby and supported the club. And so I would go over there. They let me kind of shadow a little bit. Um, and then after I graduated, went down to Costa Rica with my ex for about eight months, she was in a graduate program and I was, I had called the only craft beer shop in the country who was, I don't know, 150 miles away. But the guy was like, Oh, I'm driving by. I could drop stuff off for you. So he like left it under a tree, called me. <laughs> it was like, Hey, I left it here. You could go pick it. It was totally it like came off like a drug, drug deal, but, uh, I went and go got the stuff and I was home brewing in Costa Rica um did about three four batches and two of them blew up in the in the washroom luckily everything was tile but it's hard to have any temperature control in a 95 degree humid climate all the time uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a sink we had a sink so i just did water and was like hoping that that water would uh help i did saisons a couple saisons and uh uh english beer for i was like okay i think this yeast will take off and before i knew it like the whole room was was horrible it was brown and my my ex was was not happy with that so while while you were doing this were you were you obviously you brewing on the brain <laughs> were you thinking about i want to do something in the industry at that point not really it, it was something to do um because since we were there for her graduate program, she was busy doing all that stuff. I was like, and I was playing technically semi-pro basketball down there. I played a couple of years of college ball, but I played with the local city team and they paid me in Taco Bell. Uh, they're like, we have to pay. <laughs> it was fun. They had, they were like, we have to pay you something technically. I was like, okay, just how about buy me food whenever we drive through San Jose. Uh, and Taco Bell was the thing. I was like, that's my link to the United States is like, I need my, my gut bombs, but, uh, <laughs> but when I was there, I, as I started doing more homebrewing, I, uh, I just got into it more and I knew I wanted to avoid the real world. Um, and, <laughs> and so that was partly why I was in Costa Rica, but I was like, I can't, I can't have an office job. I graduated with way too many credits and a short amount of time, a uh, couple, uh, double majored. And, and I was just like, I can't be an office person like that. I would just be the crazy person that would throw the computer out the window and maybe jump with it. So uh, <laughs> it's, it sounds like you, you figured that out early. I mean, you said even in high school, you knew like, I, I just had to get out. I'm a, I'm kind of fidgety. And so it didn't take long for me to figure out that like sitting still is about the last thing I should be doing. <laughs> what was your, what were your majors? Uh, entrepreneurship and marketing. And then no, that fits. Yeah, that makes <laughs> yeah. perfect sense. Yeah, and then I, uh, yeah, and I had a technically a minor. I, I say technically in that I had more credits than I needed for a minor in history, but uh, I transferred a few schools and then lost credits along the way. So I still, I still credit myself in having a minor in, in history too. <laughs> 
So you're you're an, an adventurous soul, man. It's it sounds like you're just yeah. um you, you've moved around the country. So at what point did you did you've been brewing, you've been home brewing, you've been blowing up shit. <laughs> and then you're like, "You know what? I'm going to go work for a brewery." When when did when did that start en entering into your mind? Oh man. Um actually when I was in Costa Rica, one thing I did was I was like, "Okay, I don't know anything about the craft beer industry, but what I know is I like making it." So um, I ended up just like cold calling breweries all over. And, and I remember one of the biggest breweries at the time west of the Mississippi was uh, uh, Bear Republic. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, Racer 5 was one of their main beers. Yeah. And, and they were just, they were getting really big. And they were one that, like, you know, uh, probably early 90s is when they first started, but they were getting pretty big. And so, anyways, I called them and these places, they were probably under 2000 breweries at the time. Uh, and I was able to call and talk to their owner like right away. <laughs> and then, you know, who was like the head brewer and I was calling all these breweries who are big now, but back then I was like calling and talking to big names. I didn't even know it then, you know, how, how like significant these people were. And uh, I was just like, Hey, I, I graduated these degrees that gets me nothing, but how do I get into the beer industry? And, uh, you know, most people are just like, find any way you can is like volunteer, do whatever. Um, which what I now realize is totally, it comes from a place of privilege, uh, right. to be able to volunteer a lot of time. And, uh, you know, like how many people can actually give 20 hours a week volunteering. Right. Um, and so I was fortunate enough. I, I moved back a little early from Costa Rica and got my first job volunteering at um, Weston Brewing uh, in Weston or Weston, Missouri, um, and and so I was just helping on the bottling line. And after a few months, uh, they offered pay, which was minimum wage, probably. Right, I, I can't. Right. It was low. Um, and then just kept asking, "How can I learn? How could I whatever?" And they they just let me shadow on everything, and, and then. After that, it was as I moved to Colorado in between, had lived in Canada for about three months, uh, but <laughs> volunteered at a couple breweries on the travel up. When I was there every other day, I was volunteering at a brewery. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, it was just crazy stuff. Just found any way to get into a brewery that I could. Um, and then moved to Oregon and volunteered first and then uh <laughs> it, it didn't take long like my work ethic was was apparent that it got me got me paid pretty well early um, where were you where you where were you at in oregon i was in bend oregon okay. uh there for about three years three and a half years so you're you're in you i mean that's after all this vol volunteering places you go to <laughs> you know you go to like the mecca of oregon of you know beers everywhere um, yeah. how, how did it, what was it like volunteering and then, and then actually jumping up and obviously you became, you moved into the head brewer situation at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that was my first job, uh, initially volunteering was at Boneyard Brewing. Um, they have RPM, which was one of the first uh, Citra heavy, uh, IPAs, um, in, in the Northwest. And they, for a while, they're one of the fastest growing breweries and just got bought recently by, uh, or part of them got bought recently by Deschutes. Um, but yeah, I was just 
washing kegs and I went in like every day, three, four days in a row and gave it to one person. And then I went in, I was like, is the owner here? And they're like, yeah, he is, but he's not seeing anyone. I was like, okay, can you give him my resume? Like go in there and give my resume. And then the next day I came back and I was like, Hey, did you get my resume? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I got both of them here. I was like, okay, just make it sure I'm ready. Like if there's anything you need done, holler. Uh, and I also said, I have a marketing background. I'd be happy to, you know, cut my teeth a little bit on that. He's like, we don't do marketing. We're too punk rock for that. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. And if you, if anybody knows, uh, Boneyard, they're like a skull and in, into, uh, uh, wrenches uh-huh. and, and the owners like all tatted up and he was like a surfer bro, like, and, and just built everything by hand and welded all the tanks together and stuff. And he's like rough around the edges. Uh, and he's like, yeah, we're too punk rock. I was like, okay, fair enough. But uh, yeah. So after working, he finally was like, you know what? I like you. I'm a little annoyed by you, but I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> he's like, we've got a stack of about 300 kegs when you cleaned. Can you do it? I was like, okay. And I knocked it out and uh, he was like, holy shit. Um, yeah, I'll, give, I'll pay you. Like, I've got more things I need cleaned. I was like, great. Uh, <laughs> pay, is, pay is good. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, so I was like, I'm going to work here until I find another opportunity. Kept looking, got into another brewery. Um, that was a little hairy. The owner was stealing money. And, and there, there were some sketchy situations there where the keg nearly blew up when I was washing kegs. And oh, uh, because, it, yeah, there, there was no regulator on it. And I didn't know it, you know, I was just cleaning kegs and, right. uh, before I knew it, the plastic part, it was plastic, um, six barrels. And one of the bottom shot all the way to the ceiling, about 20 feet up and cut yeah. a hole through it. And I was like, uh, <laughs> and then next day I came back, he was fermenting a, uh, Saison and took the PRV off. And so the, he had capped it for whatever reason, no PRV. And I came in and the manway was bubbled out. And I was like, I quit. Like my life is in danger. This dude's stealing money. I don't know how to how to I don't know how to handle this. I'm too young to to die. Or um, to be maimed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I quit, but luckily got into Good Life Brewing. Um after that. Good life's pretty big in the northwest. Um have won a handful of GABF medals and stuff, but uh, they were a 30 barrel brew system. And so really cut my teeth on brewing uh, professionally there. Um, and then if anybody is familiar with the beer industry in terms of late work, it's sometimes you have to, there's a lot of leaving to move up the ladder. Right. Um, and so I had short stints at a few places in order to keep moving up and get opportunities. Um, and I left good life, went to Siebel. Uh, brew school in Chicago and Germany uh, came back and became the lead brewer at uh, a 10 barrel brew pub and helped lead their 30 barrel expansion in a 14,000 square foot facility. It was called Silverman. Um, and when I was there, I became head brewer of a contract brand brewed at Silvermoon. I was the head brewer for the contract brand um, called Tranquilo Especial. And uh, and so did, won an award with that recipe in uh, the North American Brewers Association, NABA um, awards uh, in the Latin American, whatever, yeah. you know, whatever category, that's not even a real category. They threw a bunch of words in there. <laughs> um, 
but uh yeah just one silver in that category and uh took a uh, final round and and the amber version of that beer and, and just really validate a lot of the work and my belief system gotcha. kind of how beer goes yeah. yeah it's time for a beer a mystery beer it's a mystery beer time so damon this is the mystery beer bag um it was we got it from a golf course well we didn't get it <laughs> And I don't think it was bought either. An but, unnamed friend. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, he's been named, but he won't come on the show, fucker. <laughs> Rat bag. But here's the first mystery bag. So I, I'm, I'm running a out of fancy paper bag. Well, it's it's a shipping envelope. I'm out of bags, <laughs> out of brown paper bags. So <laughs> so we're gonna go so with this, that. Let's this see what's was in delivered there. by Amazon, apparently. Yeah, it's, it's straight from, straight from Amazon Brewery. <laughs> They'll probably get into that oh, next. That's yeah, a no fancy kidding. beer. That is a fancy beer. Yes. The Calm Before the Storm, Sour Ale with Vanilla, Peaches, and Coconut. Yeah. Dang. You know where that's from, right? I don't. Oh, that's War Cloud, that's, baby. That's War Cloud. That's and, War Cloud Brewing out of California. War Cloud and oh, Jay wow. Wakefield. That was their uh, their collab for... <laughs> yeah. So we went to a beer fest uh, last weekend, and uh, two weekends ago in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, Barrel and Fro- uh, Flow Fest. Uh-huh. And... Uh, they do all these collabs with all sorts of different people. It's really, a, it's really technically a black beer festival, but it's not a black beer festival because it's not all black people. But they do all these, they do all these collabs. And so the funny thing is, Jay Wakefield's in Florida, um, uh, War Clouds in L.A., and they went, they flew, all flew. Well, we call them the Wu Tang of, of uh, breweries because they're like there's like nine dudes involved yeah <laughs> or 90 we don't yeah, know we don't know we don't really know <laughs> so we got Is to meet them some of, yeah yes. some of them are ninjas you yeah. don't really ever see them. It's, de- it's definitely a posse they're they're their their brand to uh to brewing is something different than like there ain't no party like a war clap party. Nah, shit. So, yeah i believe that so so they they flew six maybe three or four guys flew up to Miami to do the beer with Jay Wakefield, Jeez. and at the festival it was like five or six of them, and they poured one beer, <laughs> but it was a, it was a hit, and that's yeah. the beer. So well, uh, they poured one beer, and they had a beer pong table. That they, they did, they sure did. What else do you need? So you know the one thing I like about them is that it's it's a spectrum of uh, of colors. Um, they've got white, black. Asian, Latino, whatever it's 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 a little bit of everybody. Which you know they're, you know I'm sure that's probably the really the next question. You know you moving moving and around trying to make your way in the in the beer game. You know there's there's not too many people of color in it. What was that like? No, it it uh, so that was something I noticed really early on going to um, craft brewers conference. I've been going for years. and just from the get-go, I was like, okay, where are all, all the people of color at? I was like, I, I'm, I'm like, I grew up in Parkville, which is a very white community. I'm half <laughs> German, I, you know, and, and, but I, I stood out uh, because I was big and dark. Um, and so I didn't identify culturally, but like racially, there were still some things that were happening that I, I'm still figuring out today. Right. But it was like, I just realized that I started gravitating towards uh, or started noticing the, these things, you know, because I would gravitate towards the people of color because I'd be like, oh, hey, hey, there's someone else that's like slightly darker like me. That, <laughs> you know, uh, and and uh, yeah, gradually over the years it's growing. But like Bend, Oregon had like 
you know, you no one in the beer industry. One of my best friends, he was Mexican from Mexico, uh, or was, is, he still is, he's alive. Um, <laughs> That's, good. <laughs> yeah. That's good information. But uh, yeah, he, he was like one of the only persons I knew. And the, the reason he worked, he became part of the beer industry. He just moved from the kitchen. They needed help on the canning line one day. And he just worked really freaking hard and found his way in. But it wasn't like a, a passion. He didn't even know craft beer really was a thing. Um, so there wasn't access or entry for people of color um, right. around there. Um, and, and so we kind of connected there. But from that point on, I, I had definitely sort of been vocal about it and um had been calling some breweries out at the craft brewers conference and stuff <laughs> uh one one in particular there was ska brewing um they have the mexican logger but it's l-o-g-g-e-r um and so they had this caricature of a mexican under a tree with a chainsaw and a sombrero and i like i was just like who are you right. guys catering to this is clearly not catered to the mexican community right uh, and i was in this auditorium there's you know a few thousand and and i just remember like saying it and a few people like turned cuz i guess the scott guys were there um and i was like <laughs> sorry you know they, they weren't too pleased about it but i like you know and i would say stuff about like blonde ales and how like how come we're always got these like busty chicks that's like low hanging fruit i was like okay we're past that um so I don't yeah, know. Those just, sorry, not sorry moments, though, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, people love it, but it's like if we're as an industry trying to be better, we got to be better. Well, that's um, what I mean. I mean, for you, you weren't really that sorry for calling it out. Oh no, 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 no. no. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, uh, no, that it was easy, you know, and and so there had already been those discussions, and and Dr. J, if if you guys are familiar within the mm -hmm. beer industry, some of the some of the leaders, Dr. J came in early. And really started shifting the, the conversation. And so right. um, I kind of followed her for years, you know, as a puppy, like a, like a puppy at, at the CDC. <laughs> like I went to all of her seminars. I, I, I followed her everywhere. Um, and now I'm working with her on a lot of stuff. But, oh, nice. Um, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, shout out to uh, Jay Wakefield and, and Work Lab. This beer is fucking fabulous. <laughs> it's amazing. That's, yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't know how many beers we had at the festival, but out of the can, it's really nice. So what they did was at the festival, they did 15 collabs that you could actually get with Tavor. So that was pretty cool. So even if you didn't nice. go to the festival, you could actually order the beers. Um, so knowing what we do when we go to festivals, it's more talking than drinking. So, <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to order those 15 collabs because I know I'm not going to yeah. have all the collabs at the festival. So uh, Smart it was, us, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we, we, now we've made a valiant effort. I mean, we did. We made a good effort. <laughs> we did. It was. It's. 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 It's so spread out. It's. I mean, half the breweries. So it's like. So it's. It's beer, but it's also music and it's yeah. arts and it's vendors and, you know, and it's not all. They're. 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 It might be vendor, beer, artists, vendor, beer. So they're not all. You have to go around and find the shit. It's so. not all lumped. Yeah. In section. No. So there were some some breweries we never got to. We're like we never went down that street because it was like on five streets. So yeah. It was pretty. It was pretty dope. It's a pretty. It's it's one huge. of my one of my yeah. favorite festivals. And, and, and I, I, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I remember when that when that brewery was or that uh, beer fest was was started. You know that it was all the articles were about a black renaissance in the beer industry and stuff. And uh, but definitely they they focused on the culture side and the entertainment side, which right. was a big like 
that's kind of where, where my focus is too. So I definitely paid attention to it and resonated with it. Hope one day we get out of this so I can go next year or. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was incredible. It's the only time I've been to a beer centered event where I was the minority, (laughs) but it was, I mean, it was really cool. And I think I told you about time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told you it was it was really interesting to see just even sometimes just hanging out like after parties or or different things. It was really interesting to me as the the uh, liberal white guilt guy. Um, <laughs> all those things we kind of only you know me and my friends only talk about in hypotheticals, but to actually yeah. see some of those conversations and yeah. things happen from reality, yeah, it was 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 pretty pretty awesome to watch. I mean, that's the second year I've been to that festival, and it's still. Gives me goosebumps. It's just, I mean, yeah. it's just one of those festivals. And uh, and honestly, just the coolest festival. Yeah. I mean, it was just, there wasn't a, not a single douche at a beer festival. I've never seen that before. Like nobody in a too tight polo shirt with the collar popped. Um, <laughs> it's good to know that it can happen. You know, yeah, like, uh, yeah. There can be a but it was the douchebags. Yeah, just just a just a really really cool, well run festival. So one of the things awesome. I, I got to shout out those guys who put the fest together because all the artwork on the can. So check it out. <laughs> oh, sick! So each can has it has its own unique artwork, and every every collab can is from a different artist, mm-hmm. and they all got paid to do it, which was. You know, it's probably not the norm in, you know, in 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 the in the beer world. It's like ah, oh, you you know, you get some every, you get some love every artist, on a, every vendor. Yeah, every hey, musician yeah. got paid. So you know, they, it's it's more than the beer fest. That's what I love about it. And the, and the guys who put it on, you know, shout out to Day and Ed. That's that's fucking dope. So at what point did you matriculate to to Kansas City? When did was that? Where were you before? And how did you end up here? Back in KC? And was and that so a goal? Was... was that a goal of yours to come back? No, I vowed I'd never come back. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of a mountain guy, adventure guy, you know, and, and so I, I just want to be in a place where I could go, you know, go rip it down a mountain or ride bikes, whatever it is. But, uh, you know, coming back here, it, it was uh, ultimately uh, for divorce. Um, gotcha. It, uh, yeah, I was a little blindsided by it. But, um, yeah, we – move back uh to uh get be closer to family and stuff and so through the divorce since my daughter's here i'm going to be here um but you know it it was one of the exciting parts about coming back was that the beer industry was is so young here still um and and um yeah i mean there's just a lot of opportunity uh to for me like somebody with experience to come in and, and like support the community in some ways. And, and uh, just, it, it's fun to be a part of it. Cause I had been in the most breweries per capita in the world and Bend, um, and Colorado where, you know, it's everybody and their cousin wants to start a brewery or has. Um, and then, yeah, here, here in Kansas city, it's definitely a lot of small, really small breweries. You know, it's, it's almost, I kind of say like extensions of the garage where it's like the, yeah, you know, the scale up one barrel, three barrel, um, where it's uh, really about creating these cool little um, communities in each tap room. Yeah. Um, and it's just fun to be a part of it. So now I'm, yeah, I'm definitely pursuing my own stuff and hope to join in more. What do you see as like, you know, as, as kind of the experienced guy who's done some traveling, been at some of those breweries, what are you seeing in a place like Kansas City as the opportunity to really for them to kind of boom and grow? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's a bit of the Wild West where, you know, everybody's trying to do everything. Um, and, and you, <laughs> you kind of see a little bit of like, okay, yeah, like uh, you'll see some experience and some non-experience. But um, it, it's cool, like seeing how tight knit um, a lot of these uh, smaller breweries are, you know, because they were home brewers and part of the same clubs and stuff like that. So they're right. really supporting each other. Um, but I definitely can see the value of some of this experience coming in and supporting these, these breweries and, and then being like, oh, okay, we need to get to this place. And that's where hopefully, you know, someone like me or, or some of these other really experienced uh, brewers can give that, you know, whether it's feedback, whether it's pointers, uh, how to expand uh, or how to do things uh, in, in a way where it's sustainable um, and, uh, allows you to grow and have functionality as you grow. And so there's definitely experience there. Um, uh, but it, it's just exciting to, to be a part of it. When I was at Strange Days, um, you know, I was on a three and a half barrel system and I came from production. So I came from 30 <laughs> barrel batches. Yeah. You eliminate all the variables to, you have every variable you're dealing with at, at Strange Days. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was, it was fun. It definitely took me out of my element initially, but, uh, um, the experience definitely taught me how to start eliminating some of these variables and create more consistency early and stuff. So, um, yeah, it, it's just fun. And, and I like some of my best friends, you know, our, our yeah. brewers here in the city. Yeah. So now that you're back uh, and you know, you, like you said, the, the beer, the beer uh, scene here is pretty young, you know, when you left and now you came back, what's, what's your thoughts on how it's grown? It, it's pretty crazy. Well, yeah. When I left, uh, I was, let's see, that was like 10 years ago. Yeah, oh, it was nothing. Well, yeah. Yeah. There was Weston and, and Boulevard and, uh, maybe two others. I can't, yeah, there were some of the old like city market. I think yeah. was still there. 75th and, street maybe. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so, but that was it. And so I, yeah. I actually didn't really know anything about the local, local market. Uh, but as things started to develop, you know, my family would send articles and everything about stuff that was happening. And so I, I always checked in and, and stuff, but never had connections until I moved back. Yeah. But pretty quickly just started reaching out and seeing who I could connect with and, and started attending events and stuff. And yeah, it was fun. That's the nice thing about the city. Uh, everybody's you know in the beer community they're very cool nobody's yeah. nobody you can't you know you know you know to your point you went to go talk to the owner of that brewery he's like I'm, he's not talking to anybody <laughs> that doesn't happen here <laughs> you know yeah. you call up the owner they're gonna be like well what can i do for you you know what i'm saying which is you know which is yeah. kind of cool yeah i feel like here you can you can call anybody yeah yeah I mean, definitely and that and that builds loyalty to some of these breweries and stuff too. You know, it's it's accessibility to the owners and the decision makers, and for customers to come in and be like, "Oh, you know, hey, I'm just learning about this place and the owner's bartending or something." It's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, it's pretty cool. That that was one of my favorite parts of being at Strange Days is I would sit at the bar and just overhearing conversations and and people, and I would get the honest feedback that way when people didn't know I was the brewer. Right. Um, that was when I was getting real feedback was just like hover, like just listening to people's conversations <laughs> mostly, you know, nothing too, too crazy, but <laughs> not, not too uh, yeah, just 
being a little fly on the wall, but but getting honest feedback. But then also, you know, people would start talking and be like, oh, hey, I'm Damon. Uh, would you like to take a tour? You know, right. and of course, it took like two minutes to walk through it. But it, was, <laughs> it, it just, you know, is a cool way to get people to like buy in and really yeah. find loyalty and, and appreciate it. And, uh, you know, tell tell the story of beer, you know, and I loved it. Yeah, I think that's the cool thing is like how many around here, all those small brewers, like think of the regulars, they all feel kind of a sense of ownership in those little yeah. breweries, right? They feel like well, this is my place. Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, I, I mean, the breweries I work at, there is particular people who come to that. They may visit other breweries, but they're always at but that's their, place. their, their brewery. You know, it's, yeah. you know, I got a, I got a buddy of mine on Friday. Friday's at noon. He's a transparent. Sunday's at noon. He's a wind shift every every week. That's his thing. You know, he's, he's there when the, the door's open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, damn near. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everybody wants to be Norm, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Everybody wants what, to be Norm. One of, one of my favorite, still one of my ideas. I'll put it out there. If somebody steals it, that's okay. Um, what I wanted to do is like a founders club for the brewery I start up, and I want to get. Uh, I want to like fit seats to people's butts and then have like a little plaque on it. And so it'll be like, come here. I would have a seat that fits your butt perfectly. It'll like, it'll mold to your butt. That's and then I'll awesome. put a little plaque as like a founder's seat, you know? And so you know it's yours and it fits you perfectly. That's, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> that, that is, a great that's idea. probably the most unique yeah. founders thing I've come across. We've talked, yeah. we've talked a lot about beer names and founders club walls, but that, yeah, we got I, my, my the shape of my butt is, is on a seat. Exactly, exactly. It's like yeah, that's, for, that's forever. Saran wrap on it, sit on it. Exactly, and then put like a little gold plate on the side yeah. or something that says you know whose name it is, whose butt it is. <laughs> Nigel's ass. <laughs> yeah. yeah, guess whose butt? Yeah, exactly. The, the, the mystery butt seat. <laughs> well, before we get in a little bit on your on your uh, your your contract brewing. Thing that you're, work, yeah. you're working on tell us a little about what you're doing as a consultant and what you're what you're working on there and how you're working with other breweries yeah so um i there was a, a brewery that just opened up in the crossroads called red sash brewing um and i i had actually helped um the gentleman who started that his name is pat uh, he's a veteran uh, and uh taught a homebrew class at strange strange days um with a nonprofit. um after action network and people would pay for uh, a civilian would pay for the class and part of the pay would pay for a veteran to join as well. And so I did this and Pat was one of the vets and he like fell in love with it right away. It, when he left, like kind of lost contact a little bit. And then a year and a half later uh, heard that he was going to open up a brewery or wanted to open up a brewery. So I reached out, was like, Hey, I've, uh, timing's perfect, just uh, about to leave Strange Days, and since you have no experience, it, <laughs> it would behoove you to, uh, to you know, have a consultant. I've been fortunate enough to be a part of expansions and growth and startups and stuff. And so, anyways, got into that, and uh, it was a full-time thing for a few months, and uh, just left there about a month and a half ago. Uh, their head brewer, Mark, uh, is great and and they're doing some exciting stuff but uh now i'm just kind of i'm kind of reaching out 
Um, I had a 14 tap beer trailer I built when I lived in Colorado and sold that. And so I'm living a bit off of that money. <laughs> um, it, it's crazy. Like as I start like telling my story, I'm like, Oh man, I did a lot in a short amount of time, but um, yeah, sold that beer trailer and you'll see it zipping around town with touring taps. Um, nice. And then, uh, yeah, so just trying to find a few gigs now, but been putting a lot of time and energy into uh, some of the uh, DEI committees that I'm on with the Brewers Association, with Master Brewers of America. Um, I'm on the seminar subcommittee. I did a presentation at CBC this year. Um, what else? Working on that book and then trying to do this consulting as well. So. It's definitely, I'm staying busy. It's just yeah. like, how do I, how do I make money now doing it? So, so, <laughs> so tell us about the book. I'm, I'm interested because you, um, you, I know you have, I know you have opinions. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah, I tend to make people uncomfortable sometimes, but it's, <laughs> that's uh, a good thing. well, it's, I, I'm just passionate, you know, and it, I care about equality and I care about creating opportunities. And I'm like, I just like jump into it. Um, and so, but uh, this book was um, so it was the Brewers Association publication wing. They they reached out to me because I was on a couple of phone calls where I was asking questions and really probably getting too philosophical, but trying to like not do that. Uh, but uh, they reached out to me. And were like, oh, I really appreciated what you were saying. Have you ever thought of being an author? I was like, the fuck, like. <laughs> do <you> <laughs> I was just like, do you know me? Right there, right? <laughs> yeah. I was like, you don't even know me. I was like, I'm no author. I totally got like imposter syndrome, you know? And it was just like, I'm no expert. And in, in like, I had a couple of days of just like freaking out because I was like, I think I've gone too far. <laughs> um, you know, it, 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 you know, I'm working on my own self-confidence, but, um, you know, as I, as I started talking about it with my girlfriend and, and a few other people, they were just like, okay, so what's the problem? I was like, well, I'm no expert. Why should I be talking about, uh, culture and, and race and wellness and all this stuff. And, and they're like, well, just talk about your experience. I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I'm an expert in my own experience. Yes, so, you are. Uh, yeah. And, and so exactly. So I don't need to, I don't need to do anything on behalf or whatever. That's where people get in trouble. Um, and so, uh, this book ultimately it's going to be more creative. Um, I, I think I'm going to title it, uh, uh, leave room for, or make room for us, uh, stories of people behind craft beer. And, um, really each chapter is going to be, um, stresses or, or struggles that people go through. So, um, really going to talk about the pandemic, uh, parenting, uh, just everyday things, uh, anxiety, depression, yeah. uh, ADHD and, just talk about it, how it applies to me, but then have a picture and uh, a one page story from people within the industry, uh, just humanizing it and right. uh, bringing it home. So it, it's like, Oh, okay. Like the beer is the exciting stuff. Everybody sees the labels and all this and it's right. fun, but it's like, everybody struggles. Everybody has their issues. Uh, not issues just has ours, you know, things we got to work with and, and calling it, mental health problems and stuff. It's none of that. It's not a problem. It's a, it's just a thing. Um, and so really just trying to normalize the conversation. Um, and just everybody has stuff we're going through. And so having pictures and a face 
to some of these struggles and some of these things in the beer industry matters. And I really want this conversation to start around, um, I'll try not to go too deep into the weeds, but craft beer is notorious for exploiting its workforce and, um, you know, free relying on volunteers, um, (laughs) and all this stuff and being like, Oh, you get beer, but it's like, People are doing work, you know, like pay them, pay them a fair wage. Just because it's a cool industry doesn't mean that you You should exploit them and pay. Yeah. Give them them a good wage and the beer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like you're still a business. And we're seeing it today, you know, with, with the, all the jobs availability that's out there and people not taking them because they're not willing to take the shitty jobs anymore. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of a dignity thing and it's a, we, our value is more, um, and so anyways, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of this is just how do we really start creating a culture where, um, in order to make change, we need to start identifying these things in ourselves and start the conversation and have vocabulary, um, and have feelings and that's okay. Um, but that's how you hold place and that's how you create change is starting with yourself. And so that's kind of the, the crux of this book, I guess, is, is just, Let's yeah. look at it. We look like the people who are behind it. And now let's start with ourselves. That's a lot to hit in one in one book, right? You're, uh, you're, talking, yeah. you're talking about about classism and fair wages. You're talking about getting rid of the sti- destigmatizing mental health. I mean, that's a, yeah. that's, a, that's a lot to put into one thing. <laughs> and the hard part is to not like go on rants and all this stuff about <laughs> yeah, it, you yeah. know. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just really, you know, how do we – how do we have this conversation? How do we hold space, you know? And, and beer is a perfect vehicle to allow for that. Uh, well, and I think you said, you yeah. said something good in the beginning of this, this kind of segment that, that we're in here where you talked about, well, I'm the expert of my own story. And, and that, that's kind of the first step of, of, of wellness, right? Is owning your own yeah. story. Yeah. One of the so hardest I think by, things by putting it do, out there. Yeah. One of the hardest things you could do is look at yourself objectively. Um, you know, is like turn the mirror on yourself and, and be like, oh, crap, I totally projected this thing because I'm actually scared, you right. know, and it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's the hardest thing. And then when people, uh, you know, say, hey, when you do this, it makes me feel this way. It forces you to turn that tear that mirror on yourself. And then it's like, oh, how do you react defensive or you're right? I did do that. I apologize. Right. Um, Right. And that, Thoughts and, and prayers do nothing. <laughs> Actual change me means something. <laughs> don't yeah. get started on that. Yeah. You know, well, that was one of, and that was one of the issues I had with the, the Black Lives Matter movement is so many people, or not Black Lives Matter, but the Black is Beautiful, is like there are all these posts about these beers and stuff. Oh, us as a brewery, we are this. We are, we are inclusive and we all do all this. I'm like, yeah, but what are you doing? Do you have a... Uh, workers handbook that actually suggests all these things that you say you're doing do you have you done these things and it's like people are saying they're this and then they're done you know and they don't do anything and so that was the shit that like that shit pissed me off yeah and 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 with that with that uh you know when marcus did that you know he had good intentions and some people some breweries did it for publicity you know and because there was the whole thing after it was all said and done well, where did that money go? Did you actually donate it to a cause for social justice? Right. And, and yeah, and and <laughs> I think you know some breweries were forth, you know, forthcoming and and said this money went here, 
But yeah. a lot of them, you know, it was radio silence. So you know, that, that fucking sucks. Well, and yeah. I think you know, it, that's that human nature is right. It's easy to jump on board. It's easy to to post the platitudes on social media, right? Everybody loves to make a meme. But yeah. the but I think you know, it takes people like you, like our friend Chalanda in Chicago. You know, the action, the action yeah. has to follow that platitude. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, and I have an opinion, of course, about like how donating 100% of the profit or of the, the money to nonprofits, like during a pandemic when it's a really expensive beer to make, I'm like, Ugh, that's kind of hard <laughs> to do for breweries. And, and so I didn't really love that there was the need to do 100%, but it, I, I wish it was like, do what you can um, kind of thing. Because, you know, we were all struggling and stuff at that time. But really getting the message out and really starting these conversations is what I appreciated. And it's yeah. forcing, even about the donation thing, it's forcing people to have to own the up conversation. to. conversation, yeah. Yeah, to own up to like, oh, shit, yeah, maybe we should donate it because now we're being called out. Uh -huh. Well, and I think getting people to simply acknowledge and talk about <laughs> black brewers and black breweries, that's an awesome first step. Yeah. But it's a first step. Yeah. Well, you know, it's um, it's, no. it's, it's, Look, like, it's it's like you want to put it in this. I'm an old sports writer, right? So let's put it in sports terms. It's about the follow through. Your pitch is no good if there's no follow through. You're a yeah. basketball player. Same thing from the free throw line, right? <laughs> yep. So I, you got to hold you know, it. <laughs> you know, that was a that's the nice thing about Barrel and Flow, uh, also formerly known as Fresh Vest, was, you know, I'm sure when you rolled up in there, because I've been talking about this festival for two years, you were probably blown away by the amount of black breweries. <laughs> You had to I be. had no hell, idea that there I was were that many. In 2019, you know, I'd heard of them, this, that, and the other. But I go and to actually see that many people of color that are doing beer, I, you know, it's it's in, in this town, it's unheard of. I mean, it was a, you know, shout out to the guys from, from Vine Street and, you know, love that they're getting the pub for it. But good Lord. I mean, <laughs> we're just, yeah. the first black brewery in, in Missouri. In Missouri. What the fuck? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and, and and I know you when we were both on that radio program, one of the things about craft beer in, in Kansas City, it's it's very white. Um, I think there's there's a huge opportunity to get other people into it that, that have historically not known what it is. Even the breweries that are in the, in black and brown neighborhoods or mostly brown neighborhoods, Boulevard, I'm looking at you. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's opportunity there, but we've talked about it some on this podcast at ad nauseum you know it's about it's about that about that action boss it's about that action you know you got to go out and be intentional and say okay how yeah. are we going to reach out to these people because ultimately there's there's it's twofold if you don't do it you can't rely on the white bearded guy to, to make all your money you're missing a whole segment of the population where you could make more money that's one side of it but yeah. it's just it's, it's just good business to get the rest of the community involved and yeah. hopefully you know, with a, with uh, Vine Street going in close to you know that that area there, it's going to open the door to some other people saying, "Oh, look at these brothers making beer," and this is this is this isn't the beer we're used to. So, you know, yeah. I, I know I know you've got opinions, you know, because you know I, about what Kansas City is. It, Kansas City can be much better when it comes to you know um, being more inclusive uh, when ah. it comes to beer. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's the United States, so there's a rich history of not being inclusive. Um, 
But uh, Kansas City in particular is, you know, just with all the redlining, it still is one of the most segregated cities in, in yeah. the United States. Um, yeah, all the way until what, like mid eighties, um, when there were still covenants and stuff that had yeah. stuff. But yeah, um, I, I think that uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's just opportunity um, and, and shying. We shouldn't shy away from the fact that there is financial benefit. Right. Like, like in order to get more people to do it, you still have to have that conversation. But it that's not the sole reason. And, and one thing I, I believe about breweries is, first of all, cities seek us out. Some of the most gentrified places start with a brewery and a coffee shop. Right. Um, and so we need to curb that. Um, but also, um, it, we are tasting rooms are community centers and their opportunities to bring people in and share stories and, and empower people and people want to be here. So I feel a responsibility in my, in any tap room, I place I work for, or when we do our, uh, our own, it's like, I for sure have a responsibility responsibility because I have a platform. Right. And, um, and if we're not trying to create e opportunities for everyone and, and, act in that way then it's like i don't know it, that that shit pisses me off like <laughs> and so I, I won't frequent places that that don't at least acknowledge um the privilege or acknowledge certain things or or if there are issues then i'm like i could go somewhere else um i think i like what, yeah, I like what you said present. about you've got to acknowledge the money part that it is a money-making opportunity as well and and just i mean just to think about like our society as a whole right when did if you go back to during the recession when did when did going green become a big deal well when somebody figured out hey look you can, you can cut make, you can make money you can cut 10 percent off your bill right or whatever it whatever it was like there's actual roi where or the government put here's some kickbacks right if you do these yeah. things so it's fine to say hey to acknowledge that it's, it's about money but but then also take that opportunity use that platform to do real change yeah, because if it's just about money and you get found out, you get <laughs> it won't look good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, and, but and I mean, you know, we out. have to invite other. I mean, part of making that change and part of having the conversations, we need to, we need to invite other people to come make money too. Yeah, 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 and, and that's it. And, Nigel uh, should have just as much opportunity to get rich as me, even though he's, you know, he's British. He doesn't really count. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you know, on, on the flip side of that, you know, the the three breweries I work at. You know, if somebody of, of color comes in there, you know, whatever color, I'm always going to make it a point to make them feel super welcome. You know, the one yeah. thing Kansas City does. It seems I, like I, a heavy responsibility. I don't, you know what? I, I, don't, I, mean, like, I, I don't think, I don't think it is. I, to, to me, it's not. To me, if I, if, if, if Damon comes in, in, into, into my, you know, brew pub, I'm, I'm going to make sure he knows he's fucking welcome. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Kansas City does not have a problem with women. We got plenty of women in the brew in <laughs> in the tap room. Well, we, yeah. Well, one thing know. I love too about women is is women drink more. Uh, how do I say this correctly? Women drink more <laughs> per capita, like in volume, than they represent of total beer drinkers. So, so women are like forty percent of total beer drinkers or craft beer drinkers, uh, but they they'll drink like forty five percent of the volume. And so it's an interesting stat. Yeah. And so it, it was just really interesting. And, and I don't know if this is now, but it was for years before um, a handful of years before and that women were uh, 
more loyal to craft beer right. <laughs> ultimately, you know? Um, and, and, and I just thought that was really interesting. I was like, why are we not trying to get more women in here too? And they drink more. And, and the interesting thing is as many people as we've talked to around the country, we've, we're, we're pretty ahead of the curve when it comes to women drinkers. Cause a lot of the people we talk to, they're like, we're trying to get people of color and women in here. Cause it's all mm. white dudes with beards. Right. But you know, you can go to Boulevard Beer Hall anytime, and, and generally women outnumber men. Yeah. Every time I go in there. Now, now, granted, I'm generally the only brother up in there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. Aside, yeah. there used to be a couple of brothers that I know that work there, but I'm like, you know, and and of course, I'm a person that doesn't have a problem going into that space, right? But yeah. another person might be intimidated by that, and and I've talked to yeah. people who have who have those hangups, you know. I was told by somebody is like, think about walking into what would be a traditional like black church and like as a white person, right. and like you would notice right away and <laughs> you know, like you would walk in and, and like you would feel out of your element. It's like, imagine, and this, this was a, a black person that, that was talking and they were like, imagine that every day, uh, you know, right. in a lot of these communities. And, and so I was like, oh, shit, okay, yeah. I need to just listen, you know, because um, and, and really, like, how I grew up and raised, I was like a, you know, like I said, I'm half German, I grew up in a community where culturally I didn't identify as Latinx, um, racially I did, and I was big, I was I was like a foot taller than kids in baseball, and so my mom had to carry my birth certificate around because people would try to stop the game thinking I was like some Cuban kid, uh, you know, because it was like – No, he's not Albert Pujols. Yeah, yeah you know, and I, you know, I was hitting home runs, and then everybody grew up, and then I was below average. But, um, <laughs> but you know, it was just one of those things where, like, if I was a big white kid, that never would have been a thing, you know. And, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah there were just things that always – happened where i was like oh yeah that that makes sense and i was the mexican in school you know i was called right. the mexican and i laughed it off because it didn't really connect but I, it still was I, you know i still felt it and, and i when i was at basketball camps or whatever camp i always gravitated towards the the kids of color you know and right and always hung out with them and, and i couldn't explain why either at the time <laughs> yeah yeah but, you know, I had I had the benefit of growing up in two different worlds, so I can straddle the line. Because early growing up, I grew up in a black neighborhood in London. It was all black, still is. Um, not as much now, but it. But then when it, when we moved to Ipswich, which is you know ninety miles from from uh, London before we came to the states, it was all white. And so when I came to the states, I, I could. I could straddle either side, but as I've told Nick before, I didn't see the whole black and white thing till I got to the United States. Yeah. When I came as a 12 year old, I was like, holy shit, this is a thing here. Until he took a bus to the South. <laughs> well, there was that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know, uh, I did yeah. go to Arkansas when we first got here. So there's that. So Southern yeah. Arkansas. <laughs> well, I'm glad you survived. I did. Um, I did. Yeah. The, uh, you know, there, there's a book, it's called cast and it, it talks about the caste system here in the United States and, and it's heavy. It is like, I had to, I had to read it pieces at a time because it was like, Oh, like it is, it is graphic, uh, in terms of, you know, verbiage, um, and, and stuff. But it was like, it's something that gives a real 
honest, upfront, in your face, unapologetic. This is what happened. No whitewashing anything. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, man, I was like, I just had to take a break and just go on walks and I would just cry, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it's like, I don't even, you know, all I can do is, is feel it and that's yeah. it, you know, and, and listen. And, uh, yeah. yeah, it's heavy stuff and it's real and it still is. And so that's the kind of thing. It's just, how do we break these systems? And hopefully yeah. it starts with talking about our feelings and emotions, identifying it, and then being able to hold space, uh, because it's like, oh, yeah, I feel feelings. Here's what I'm feeling. I could tell you how I'm just being able to have the language and vocabulary to s say your emotions makes connections in your brain and allows you to be more empathetic and, um, you know, and uh, courageous in, in those ways and vulnerable. Yeah. yeah and I think, I, I think, and to go back to one of your earlier points too, I think, and to be able to say, I have value for the work, right? I mean, yeah. and you said at the very beginning, it's a very privileged thing to say, you should just volunteer and work your way up from there, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> or, or, the, or you know, the, the fun narrative now is nobody wants to work. Well, no, it's nobody wants to work for money that doesn't for, let for them shit. live. Right, right. Yeah. Right? Yeah, well, you know, it was like Missouri. Well, then I can't live the, in your community. Yeah, when, when Missouri cut the stipend and they were like, oh, it's because <laughs> everybody's being lazy and, and, you know, sucking off the teeth of the, whatever but like <laughs> most people haven't taken those jobs back because they don't want to go back to those shitty they, jobs it wasn't the money yeah, yeah it wasn't the money yeah or and you know like, in our in our community here where it's are you paying them enough to actually live in this community yeah right and if you're not then they have to it's it's got to be enough for them to pay for their car Kansas City is not as inexpensive yeah Kansas City is not as inexpensive as they make it out to be oh hell no yeah, I mean, especially the suburbs. Yeah, considering yeah. the driving and stuff, it is actually almost equal to living in Chicago, yeah. um, with with cost of living and driving expenses and stuff like that, and not great public transportation. No, terrible public transportation. Yeah. So, so what? Uh, I know you kind of said you couldn't give up information about what you're going to do next, but <laughs> can you can you tell us anything that you uh, that you, you you know some breaking news yeah. or something? I mean, are uh, you going to open? I mean, is there is there a brewery in the works? What the hell? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so just starting with the brand, um, a Latinx brand, really trying to create this thing that uh, empowers and and elevates uh, people in the Latinx community's voice. Um, and, and I challenge people. I'm like, think of one. Latino, Latina, Latinx person in Kansas City that's like a prominent beer industry, anything like, or there, there's very few, if any, um, and, or just in the beer industry. And yeah, I, I, I can um, think of, I can think of two. Yeah. Two. Yeah. It, it's, you know, same thing. And it's, um, you know, people have just assumed Corona Modelo, that's their thing. We're only going to make light beers like them, whatever. But it's, it's uh, really about sharing people's stories and where, where are you on the spectrum? Like for me is, where am I on the spectrum of the Latinx community? It's, I didn't grow up with it racially or um, culturally, I did barely racially. Um, I tanned well um, and have a Mexican <laughs> last name, but uh, you know, I, I still identify as that because right. it's part of my story. Um, and so how do we share those stories? What does it mean to be Panamanian American, Mexican American, Colombian American, um, Latina, Chicano, you know, whatever. 
Um, but it's, it's really about just empowering people. And so this project, I'm partnering with a uh, local uh, band uh, that uh, has some, they've done well for themselves. Uh, they are Latinx. Um, and uh, just finalizing some agreements with them and going to, I can't give the name because there's right some licensing stuff. That's but cool. That's cool. <laughs> hoping, hoping in the next few months we'll, we'll have something um, starting with a couple of probably two brands uh, or two styles and uh, really just want to support. And we'll probably do a couple grocery store chains uh, or sorry, um, uh, liquor store chains if we can kind of get into those um, and then try to hit some of these local mom and pa um, Latinx stores you know taquerias yeah. and stuff and, and really just try to hey, if you, you know, share those people's stories as part right. of it too nice nice yeah. Nick you got a beer awesome. over there buddy we do we do we have our next mystery beer from Thin Man Brewery Buffalo shout out to Thin Man <laughs> Minky Boodle it's a raspberry sour ale we didn't play our game the last time so we're going to play it this guess, one guess you got to guess the ABV I, I do not know um it's well, it's a sour. It's probably five point six. <laughs> hey, I, I, hey, you never know these days. I mean, I've, yeah. I've seen some down at three, and I've seen some sours yeah. at like twelve percent. I'm like, no, it's, it's pretty. <laughs> you know, I like. I, it. I, yeah. I will tell you this, Damon. I I had your your beer that you did at, at Crane. Uh huh. Good shit. Thank you. I appreciate good, that. Good shit. I I because uh, I went one the fourth brewery I work at. I do some production over there for them every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, um, um, Chris is like, you want some beer to go? I'm like, sure. You know, he gives me like a case and a half. <laughs> like, Good. No, Here, I, take some, I, take I, some I, of Damon's beer. Yeah. I still so, got like 40 cases of that. So technically I can't sell it. I, I just have to you give gotta, it away. You got to give it away. Yeah. Yep. And, and I did. I, took, I, I shared it at the, at the breweries I, I work at. And people, I appreciate they, it. They, they love, they love the, 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 uh, the scan thing, the, uh, yeah, the QR, QR code. code. Yeah. So you, depending on which, if you want English or Spanish, you QR code one or the other. Nice. It, they, people just yeah. love that. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, we're trying to get feedback, and, and that's one of the things. That's the intentionality that I always talk about when when diving into DEI. Is you got to be intentional. For us, is we're intentionally trying to get feedback from the Latinx community, right. also the beer community, but by splitting it Spanish English. And then depending on how you identify, if you identify as Latinx or Hispanic or Latino, um, then you have additional questions that no one else would. And that gives me information to be able to um, not sell to them, but to be able to help empower and connect with the community. Um, yeah. And so that that's part of the intentionality that we're trying to do. Before I give my, my follow-up question, Nigel, what, do you uh, stick with that guess? I'm going to go five, 5.7. The actual retail ABV, seven percent. Oh shit! <laughs> well, they've hidden it well. <laughs> I, th- I feel like it took the pandemic for for people to finally accept QR codes, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like they've been no, around for ten, fifteen years or longer, even really. But finally, I think during the pandemic, when we, you know, in the beginning, we stopped using menus. All these mm-hmm. people are finally now using QR codes, yeah. and it's interesting. I, I like how you've done that. Yeah, it's to like, try it's not, dope. now you're just you know gathering feedback, but you put it yeah. in the label, made a part of the art. Yeah, and one of the things with it too, with the QR codes, is like it helps that the phones, like the the camera, like is yeah. smart so that it it automatically scans the QR code. 
Yeah, like um, before, 10 years ago, yeah, I would have, have like app. three different apps depending yeah. on what the QR code was. <laughs> exactly. No, that's pre- that's pretty cool. So he gave us he kind of gave us some breaking news about about what he's doing. So I'll allow yeah, it. I know I, I I'll allow I it more, but no, no. It's a, <laughs> hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm off the record now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm excited for it because you know we're getting connected with with uh, some really awesome people in the local Latinx community too, and um, yeah, it's it, for me. It's just about sharing stories in language. You know, it's we're asking the question: What is you know was being a me- like Latin American, Latinx American mean to you? Um, right. And, and just really trying to answer that question. And that's, and that's a good opportunity to, cause you know, beer is communal, communal, communal. Yep. So you can have those conversations and inter- introduce people to a yep. whole nother genre of beer. Not the keep it, just keep it real. I love me some Modelo. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I had me a Modelo last night. Same but- here. <laughs> yeah. No, and and the style I was kind of going for was a uh, like a hoppier model. It, essentially, it, it's like a an ale version of a pilsner. Yeah. Um, yeah, a, a cream ale, I guess, if you want. I threw a little Mexican or a little uh, flaked corn in it just to like give it that. But anymore, I'm like, I'm just going to do an ale version of a of a pilsner. And the reason why I do ales since I'm contracting uh, is faster uh, and yeah. and cheaper. Yeah, um, and I actually the award I won in that category in the Mexican and Latin American lager category was with the ale yeast. So I was like, okay, perfect. <laughs> Will there be some preros in your label art? Be what? <laughs> Will there be some preros in your label art? Oh, totally. Yeah, you, whatever stereotype. I'm <laughs> Just put a white guy with a beard. That's how it'll work. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This isn't for you. It's like a white guy with a beard with a line through it. Um, so, so is there is there a style or a style that you that maybe you like to drink or or, or brew that that you're yeah. particular to? Um. You know, one thing I really love, and I, I think I started to get the reputation of Strange Days, is lighter versions of uh, some of these bigger beers. So, um, you know, just with the hazies and the and the stouts and stuff, I still like doing drinkability as kind of my mo. And and so I, I just go for like, yeah, I want I want all the flavor, but I don't want to feel full at the end of it. I want people to come and have. Um, lighter beers, uh, and, and have multiple beers and be safe. Um, but, uh, I, I would say like just session styles, uh, session IPA session, you know, just session lagers, session stouts, even, right. um, things that they can also be gateway beers, you know, people to get people into craft beer and approachable. Um, I, I just really love those styles because I, I don't want to feel full. And like I yeah. said earlier, I have a sensitive tummy, so when I <laughs> when I start when I start getting some of these thick, juicy things and and yeah. like thick stouts and high alcohol stuff, like my stomach hates it, and uh, I'm kind of one and done on those. So uh, the drinkability uh, matters, and at Strange Days, I, I always looked at the average ABV right. of the lineup, and, and being around six uh, was really important for me. You know who he sounds like, right? Well, we've got a few now that talk like that, but out of, out of half light. Uh, yeah, but he, uh, Nolan down to transparent. Right. You ever been to transparent in Grandview? I haven't. He's that's, that's right. That's what he does. 
That's exactly yeah. what he does. And so so does Tanner over at uh, what do you over, say? Uh, I like Light. to drink, so I want to make lower yeah. ABV so I can drill out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's uh you know, I've won a, a few other like people's choice at, at things when I was in Oregon and it was the drinkability is kind of the factor that we went for. And that that's what did well. And I was like, Well, I I might you know, I'm not aiming for the untapped ratings or anything like that. I'm like, I wanna sell beer. Like it's still right. business. I still right. need to sell it. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, somebody who, who I really appreciate the beers um, that they do is Alma Mater. Um, yep. And and his experience and mine are, you know, I'm not going to say we're similar, but, you know, we kind of followed the same trajectory. Yeah. Um, and, you know, doing lagers and he kind of, I don't even know if they were aiming to do as many of the juicies and hazies as they do now initially, um, but they, they were doing really well. And so yeah. they started doing more of them. But doing the lagers that, you know, once I have my own place, I'm definitely going to be doing a um, handful of lagers and, and sessions. Like I, I want to do a session um, series of beers and, and yeah. bottle or can them and, and do that. And I, and I think like Nick uh, Mater is he's, they're just consistent at everything. So, yeah. you know, why not? You know, there's, there's, you know, you can go, you know how it is. You can go to, you can go to breweries, you can go down the menu and there's four good ones and there might be one dog in the bunch. You know, that's one of those breweries where it's continuously just always consistent. And every time you drink one of the beers, you're like, well, fuck, <laughs> you know, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he's yeah. just, I mean, he's just that kind of brewer. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure everybody in town, you know, is aiming to be like that or BKS or, you know, or wind shift or people who are really just dynamic and, and consistently, yeah consistent i mean that's there's something to be said for that and you kind of you kind of talked about that earlier you know it's about you know doing doing it and and doing it well and and you know honing your craft and being good at you know you you want to produce quality beer yeah you want to sell it but you want this shit to be good (laughs) yeah well and and one of one of the hardest things is to take criticism and take feedback you know and and ask questions and so that's one thing i always encourage is you know whenever i was learning in the beer industry and stuff i would like go shadow i go ask questions hey try my beer what do you think um and being able to take that um you know and and not take it personal i mean it's you know we're we're chefs liquid chefs and it's like people send be vulnerable again (laughs) yeah exactly um is that and, a beer name somewhere? <laughs> I'm vulnerable. Uh, so yeah, I, I have a whole idea for a series of beers that I want to do that has to do with uh, emotions and just like defining it for people. And so each beer is named a different emotion. I dig it. Um, yeah, I and just it. start the conversation. I fucking I dig it. it. I love it. That is awesome, dude. It's been on, uh, honored to have you on, man. I've been wanting to talk to you for a while. Um, for sure. It, I appreciate it was, cool. it. it was cool when we ended up on the radio together. That was super weird, but <laughs> yeah. it, I, look, no, it, it was kind of funny. They asked me, they were like, okay, on behalf of all Latinx community, I, what is it? I was like, I'm no, I'm not going to fall into that. Here's trap. one megaphone. You're, you're going to talk <laughs> for all of them. Yeah. No, because even when they reached out to me, I'm like, why do you, why do you motherfuckers want to talk to me? <laughs> I think it was Pete. Pete um, put them on us. I think that yeah. they wanted, they wanted a, a wide, a wide th- swap. There's our beer name. Blame Pete Doolin. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna make that happen. Pete, he's the man. Yeah, he's one. He's one of my really good friends. So no, nah, he's he's, he's awesome. He's yeah. uh, he, I, I love I love his blog that he's doing. Uh, the Casey Ale Trail. If nobody's uh, done any, uh, listen listen to it. Read it yet? You should because he's doing he's doing some really yeah. cool uh, 
He's got some ex- exposés. Yeah. yeah, subscribe, subscribe to it. it, it yeah. pay a little bit. Help yeah, him five out. bucks. Um, five yeah, bucks. Yeah, and I already did that, and of course. Yeah, of course. So, um, if people want to follow you on the social medias, where where can they find you? Um. Uh, well, it's just my name, Damon um, on Instagram, and then uh, Facebook. Same thing, I guess. I don't know how you search it on. Just type my name in there, and you'll find me. I'm one of the only Damon Arredondos you'll find. Um, I'm going to say you, prob- you probably are. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and I'm definitely, I'm working on a few things, like I said, with that book, and, and probably going to be coming out with some more content and stuff. So well, anything I'm excited out. about that book. Yeah, anything you need from us to promote or do some shit with, um, dude, we're here for you. I appreciate it. That means De- a lot. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Nick, where can they find us? You know, you can find us. Beers with Nigel on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, I think. Is that true? Yeah. I heard a rumor. Yeah, Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And you can find the Beers with Nigel podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and even the old Amazon Alexa device. Amazon, Alexa, play the Beers with Nigel podcast. There you go. You've been listening to Beers with Nigel, a show about beer and other stuff, hosted by Nigel Woodbury and that other guy, Nick Parker. Beers with Nigel is poured for you by Dire Oil Graphics, providing bumper-to-bumper graphic design, promo products, and print services. Find them at direoil.com. Beers with Nigel is a proud member of the Fredcast Network and is available on all of your favorite podcast flavors. Find Beers with Nigel on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and ask Alexa to play the Beers with Nigel podcast.